0: Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we honor You, Lord Jesus, today. We thank You that by Your, <clears throat> by Your grace we are saved. <clears throat> what can we say? <clears throat> but by Your grace we are saved. We who have lived in such wickedness and ungodliness. For by grace are we saved. And we thank You. In Jesus' name we pray amen well good afternoon good morning good to see all of you if you have your bibles find your place in genesis chapter number six genesis chapter number six we continue to move our way through the early uh, chapters of genesis talking about our responsibility our duty to remember our creator and i hope that that's true for you i'm pastor mike if you're a guest with us today i'm honored to have the opportunity to see you and to meet you please uh, as we've already said before Let us know if we can help you. Tell us about who you are. If you're a guest, we don't want to embarrass you, but we'd love to meet you and talk with you and share with you about the ministries of our church. Genesis chapter number six and seven are historic chapters. I remind you today, we're not reading fables. We're not reading little happy stories that some Jewish people decided to put together a few years ago that might be good. These are historic events. Recorded by Moses, given by Moses. Uh, and these words are historic. They happened in time. And so today we come, we come to that um, experience and event in history which changed the world forever. We live in a world after the, the global flood that we're reading about today. But we read also about what happened when God and why God flooded the entire world, the global flood came, and why all living things on the earth were destroyed. I remind you that these things are for us an example, and they also teach us the importance of how God deals with sin and the importance of sin in people's lives. I have a number of things to say to you today, and I'll, I'll try to be as clear as I can. We're coming to the table of the Lord today, so we're reminded that everything we talk about honors and glorifies the Lord Jesus' death on the cross. So let me read some selective verses, and I'd invite you to keep your Bible open to Genesis 6, 7, and 8. We'll look at a number of verses today in our time together. Genesis 6, now beginning in verse number 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent, of the thoughts of his heart, was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals, to creeping things, and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. But, but, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for it. We pray that you would bless the reading of your word today to our hearts. We ask that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The focal truth today is this. The day God flooded the world, He saved a man who walked with Him. The day God flooded the world, He saved a man who walked with Him. The judgment of God came universally, globally, globally. Upon all living creatures, including mankind, total, complete, absolute destruction and judgment. But one man was saved. One man was saved. He was on an ark and his name was Noah. I want us to see today four observations from these words. And I want to try to speak to each of them for a few moments and challenge you and myself as we consider these words. Number one, mankind Mankind's sinfulness was great in the world. It was globally great. All were sinning. All were filled with sinful intentions and desires. Number two, God was grieved. We must mark this down. Some of us uh, don't like these words. For some reason, when we honor the greatness of God, we don't think God can have grief how sad that is that you would have such a view of God. There are false religions in the world that talk all about wrath, but talk nothing of the love of God. But it's only by the love of God that you're saved today, did you know that? It's only by the love of God. It's only by the love of God that you're saved. So we'll think for a moment together about this unbelievable truth about the nature of God and His character and His perfections. He was grieved with the sinfulness of mankind. Then we'll talk for a moment about how God judged the entire world because of its great sinfulness. And finally, for a few moments, I want to challenge you uh, because we're, much, we're, we're, we're in the same kind of shape as Noah. In a world filled with ungodliness and unrighteousness, Noah found favor in the eyes of God. And my prayer is today that you have found favor in the eyes of God by knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, by repenting of your sin, and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is my prayer today, and we'll consider it and think about it today. These are sober words, we don't like to think about this, we, we'd rather think about other things, but the Word of God, what the Word of God does is, it tells us the truth about ourselves, tells us the truth about God, and how God deals with us in, in our lives. And so we can turn away from God's Word, we can dismiss it, we can explain it away, we can try to follow those who would consider these things foolish, talk, but if we believe the Word of God, and if we believe these words, then we take them to heart and they help us know how to live. So let's come to it here. Mankind's sinfulness was great in the world. Oh, the sinfulness of sin. I have spent many years here in this place, at this pulpit, reminding you of the terrible, horrible sinfulness of sin. I elaborated on it in great detail a few weeks, well, last week as we were talking about Genesis chapter 3 and sinfulness and the corruption and condemnation that comes with sin. Look, when you sin, you're under the condemnation of God and the judgment of God and corruption comes into your life. Notice this description. I would remind you of this when you read Genesis. Read it carefully because we have insight into the way God speaks to Himself about His dealings. We see the mind of God revealed to us in the book of Genesis and His actions also. We've seen that all the way along as we've looked at Genesis. About let us make man in our own image. And then the the discussion, God saying to Himself, we must put man out of the garden because... If he eats of the knowledge, if he eats of the tree of life, he'll live in his sinful condition forever. And now we have again, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth. Sinfulness is wickedness. Whatever kind of sin it is, there are no respectable sins. All sin is sin, and all sin is wickedness and rebellion against God. And this is all that happened east of Eden. When man was put out east of Eden, he went into a world of sinfulness and now all these years have passed. All kinds of estimates by the scholars on how many years, but now we come to these terrifying, unbelievable words about global wickedness. The wickedness of man was great on the earth, verse five, and every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This is how people live with sin in their life, my friends. This is the way you and I lived with sin in our lives. All of our intentions, all of our thoughts were focused on ourselves and on how we could bring pleasure to ourselves and how we could rebel against God. I'm not going to do what God says. I'm not going to obey God. I'm not going to live the way God designed me to live. I'm going to do it my own way. This is the same condition Of man today. We read in verse number 11, chapter 6, the earth was corrupt in the sight of God. When God looked at the world filled with sinfulness, he saw corruption. What do we see in our world today? Corruption. Corruption is not just something people do in business transactions that aren't appropriate and are wrong and sinful, but corruption's on the inside. When you are in sin. It corrupts you. It twists you and perverts your thinking. It corrupts your mind. It corrupts your desires. Sin corrupts. Sin corrupts us. And it brings corruption on the entire creation. The earth was corrupt in the sight of God and the earth was filled with violence. Chapter 6 verse 11. We read also and gain a little bit more insight into this at the very end, when Noah, in chapter 8, if you'll turn over there in chapter 8, he builds the altar after he gets off of the ark. And when the Lord smelled the soothing aroma of the sacrifices that were given, God says, I will never again curse. This is chapter 8, verse 21. I will never again curse the ground on account of man. For please notice. Because the in, this is, now this is on our side of the flood. This is about all of us. This is about the generations and families you come from and I come from. This is the description of all of us born after the flood, God says, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. That's the way it always will be. All have sinned and all have followed the same sinful rebellion as Adam and Eve we have seen things, desired them, and we've corrupted ourselves. Paul said, as I've repeatedly said to this church, and I will not stop repeating it. 2 Timothy 3, chapter, 1, chapter 3, verse 1, Realize in the last days difficult times come. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, but they deny the power of it. The great sinfulness, the global sinfulness that brought the flood is the same global sinfulness of our world today. And God was grieved with the sinfulness of man. We have a great high priest. We have one whose heart is always pained, even in heaven today. I've talked to you about this in detail as a church. We go to our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, where there's pain in his heart even today for the lostness and sinful rebellion of man against God. You see, if only we believers could feel the pain and grief of lost sinners like our God does. But we somehow gleefully act as if, well, if they want to be that way, so what? Let them burn. Let them go to hell. That's why Ryan stands here and we say to you as we do all the time, who's your one? Who are you sharing the gospel with? No, this is not some special. This is what we do all the time. This is what we do. We do it We do it when we go to Cuba. We do it when we go down here to, the, to Nashville. We go over here to our house. We go to our neighbors. We go wherever we go we go sharing the gospel. I could wish and pray that our church had the same heart that God has for lost sinners. Do you? Do you you have a brokenness and a grief over the sinfulness of others? You know the easiest way to do that is remember how much of a sinner you've been and how God saved you from your sin. No, God's grieved here. The Lord was sorry, verse 6, that He made man. He was grieved in His heart. This, this Hebrew word for grief is a word, it's an, it's an emotional word. It's a word for grief regretful grief. It comes before us here. The Lord said, I will blot out man I've created, for I am sorry that I have made him, verse number 7. You see, this is the grief of God over the sinfulness of man. The Lord Jesus there before He died on the cross, He stands after they've said, Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord rightly. He was the Messiah, the promised one. He stands and He weeps over Jerusalem. Oh, that I would have gathered you together, but you would not. You see, that's what sinful people do. That's what godless sinners do. They don't care about God. Though the Lord tries to do for them and bless them and help them in general ways of grace, extending their life, giving them more mercy, they turn from God. Psalm 78 is a long psalm about how Israel kept rebelling against God over and over over again. Psalm 78, one phrase. I just read it to you. Psalm 78, 40. God was grieved with the sinfulness of Israel in the wilderness and He was grieved with them in the desert. Jeremiah talks over and over. Uh, what do we have in Hosea, the loving God who is, who is dealing with a forsaking people, Israel? God so loved the world. God, don't, don't try to water that down. Don't try to minimize that to fit some kind of uh, Bible theological ideas you've created. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. By the way, the Lord Jesus is the one saying that. You do know that, don't you? Those are red letter words, if that matters to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish. The love of God is great for the lost world. I just wonder how great our love is for the lost world. I remind you believers who are here today that we also have the understanding of the grief of God by how the Holy Spirit feels about you when you sin. Paul said in Ephesians chapter number 4, don't grieve the Holy Spirit by which you were sealed. Are you grieving the Holy Spirit today by the way you're living? You know those secret things you're doing. no No one would know it here today you're respectable, and your religion, you're upright, you've got everything in order, everybody looks at you, and you, family, check, 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 everything looks good, but what's in your soul? You see, God saw the wickedness in the heart of people. What does God see in you? What does God see in you today? Is there a grief with God by the Holy Spirit because of your sin? There's no power when God's In grief over our sin. There's no power in your life. There's no spiritual desire in your life when when the Holy Spirit is grieving over your sin. You've you've caused a a separation in relationship between yourselves and God. It's time to repent. It's time to get it right. So we're reminded here in the midst of this unbelievable, devastating, global, complete, utter destruction of the world by flood, the grief of God Oh, how grieved he was to have to say, I will blot out man, verse 7, whom I have created. That's why Jesus wept. But do we weep over the lost? God judged the entire world because of its great sinfulness. What do we read there? I'll blot out man, whom I've created. We turn over to chapter 7. And we read in chapter 7, verse 17, then the flood came upon the earth for 40 days and the water increased and lifted up the ark so that it rose above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly upon the earth. The ark floated on the face of the water. The water prevailed more and more, verse 19. It it went over the high mountains everywhere. Under the heavens were covered everything, over the mountains, water everywhere. And then we read these... Unbelievably sad words. Verse 21, all flesh that moved on the earth perished. You know, we've, we've spent a lot of years, all the years of my growing up, we've been worrying and spending our time trying to convince people of a global flood, but we've forgotten what really happened. Yes, of course it was a global flood. Let, let's move on. All flesh perished all flesh perished 22 all that was on the dry ground all whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life died everything is dead all the creation that God said was good all that God had put in place and it was so now is gone It's gone. Total, absolute, complete destruction and all life is taken away. Let me tell you something. When Jesus comes again, total destruction will come on the earth. 2 Thessalonians 5. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night while they are saying peace and safety. That's what everybody's saying. There's not anybody worried about Jesus coming again. Everybody's busy. We're worrying about the stock market. We're worrying about the interest rate. I mean, we got business to do. We got to get a new president in here. We got, we, we got to get what we got. Get, we got to get things in order. While they're saying peace and safety, I got business to do. Then destruction will come on them suddenly, like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape total destruction when the Lord Jesus comes again. Total, absolute, worldwide, global pain will come upon those who are without Christ. The Word of God tells us in 2 Thessalonians 1, when the Lord Jesus comes, He'll be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution, retribution to those who do not know God. And to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, that's your friends and mine. That's our family members. That's people we know who do not know Jesus. That's those who live under the darkness of, of, of these other kinds of godless religions and demons and doctrines and spirits and all kinds of foolishness and the wisdom of man that keep them from God. Do you hear me today? There is a coming global destruction upon all who will not believe. There is global destruction of the earth itself. There is global pain. It will be a a universal global judgment. America doesn't get out of this. We're reminded by the apostles' preaching in Acts chapter 17, because God has fixed a day. Okay, a day, I know I went to school to learn this, a day has hours Minutes and seconds. A day falls on one day of a month, and there are 12 months in a year. I went to school to learn that. Are you proud of me? God has fixed a day down to the hour, a day, an hour, a moment in which He will judge the world in righteousness through a man who has been appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead that is the Lord Jesus Christ the judge of all who have ever lived on this globe and when Jesus comes again unexpected sinners will be caught unprepared unless the church does a better job but the Lord reminds us Matthew 24 as he talks about these last things the days you and I are living in The coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in the days before the flood they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. They were listening to this fool standing up preaching. His name was Noah, this fool preaching this message Judgment is coming, but all of a sudden it started to rain. And the water started rising while they were having their babies. The water started rising when they were having their marriages and their ceremonies. The water started rising when they were buying their produce down at the market. The water started rising when they were at home with their children. And all of a sudden those words, those words of the righteous prophet are ringing in their ears and the water's rising and they cannot get in the ark. It's too late. It's gone. And the judgment of God has begun. You see, the Lord will destroy the heavens and the earth with fire when He comes again. I read to you 2 Peter 3. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat And the earth and its works will be burned up. It will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. And finally there stands in Revelation 20 that great white throne where the lost dead from every generation will stand. The books are opened and God judges them. No name written in the book of life. They go to an eternal hell. Judgment is coming. Noah preached, judgment is coming. What do Christians preach today? I read all of this and build this up to read to you this unbelievable climax. I will blot out man, chapter 6, verse 7, whom I have created from the face of the land. But Noah, but Noah found favor in the eyes of God. We read in verse 9. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Three phrases, and I'll finish quickly. Noah was a righteous man. Noah was a blameless man in his time. And Noah walked with God. What a picture of the Christian living in these last days of the world. See, some of you are not convinced it's the last days. (laughs) You'd think you got plenty of time. We, we have sadness and we have these emotional moments. Well, what about my children? They're in the hands of God. And if you have children, that ought to raise your reminder of the unbelievable responsibility of bringing your children up in the fear of God. Oh, the Lord is coming. He's not going to check on everybody saying, now, did you, all your kids get grown? Is everybody good at your house? No, it will come in a time when the church is not prepared. When we're lazily walking along, sleeping along, worrying about things that don't really matter, secondary issues. Because the day of the Lord is coming. He is, as I say to you every week, I'm not saying it just so you know when to fold up your Bibles and get ready to go home. The Lord is near to the door. He is near. He is near. Nearer than He's ever been. Unless God through the Lord Jesus Christ and His prophets in the Old Testament and the apostles are all liars. How do we live? We live like Noah. The one man who was saved, one man, and those who got on the ark. Folks, nobody was alive when the water went down. Everybody was dead. Everything was dead, but the animals on that boat and those people. That was it. Utter complete death and destruction from God, but Noah was a righteous man. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? You cannot be righteous on your own. You must come to know Him. We read it over and over here. I, I, I'm frustrated. I know what time it is. I know what time it is, but this is important. Genesis 6:22. Noah did according to all that God commanded him to do. Have you done that? We read it again, chapter 7, verse number 5. Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. The Lord says to Noah, chapter 7, verse 1, enter the ark, you and all your household, for you alone have seen, for you alone I have seen to be righteous before me in this time. Noah was a righteous man, and as we learn about him in the book of Hebrews, he was this man. By faith he was warned by God about things not yet seen. In reverence he prepared an ark for the salvation of his household by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness which is according to faith. This Noah walked with God, but he was also blameless in his own time. Three qualities about him. I challenge you as a Christian today, in these last days, as much as you worry about the lost, and why they won't get right with God. And then you get angry about it, and you get bitter about it, as if God can't take care of himself with those who would despise him and rebel against him. Here's the pattern for us in the last days. What Noah did is what we must do. He was a righteous man. Are you living in righteousness as a believer? Have you gone back into sin? Are you living in carnality again? Are you living just a laissez-faire Christian life? You just get by... There's no heart, there's no passion for God. He was a righteous man, and he was blameless in his time. When you go to work, people know that you're a believer. Not because you're cruel and mean and disrespectful about it, but because you walk differently and have a different attitude. And when trouble comes in your life, and these other people see how you deal with real problems, they see a difference, even though they've never Surrendered to Christ, they see in you a blamelessness. They see in you a different quality. We would call it a Christ-likeness. Noah was righteous and he was blameless in his times. That's what the church must be. Blameless in our times. And he walked with God. I ask you today, friend, how would you describe your relationship with the Lord Jesus? Well, I'm saved. Well, that's good. It's good to be saved. But what does it mean to be saved? Well, well it means that you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus. And if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus, look, I, I have a wonderful, long, wonderful relationship with Pat, now almost 50 years. And if you add on her putting up with me trying to get her before that, it was beyond 50 years. Well, you walk together with people, you, you sit with people, you, you have a relationship with people that you're close to. Do you have a walk with God? We, we read in, in chapter 5, we didn't read it today, but in chapter 5, 20, 29, what does it say there? It talks about, uh, it talks about these people who walked with God. They walked with God. In chapter 5, I believe, 22, Enoch walked with God. He walked with God. Enoch was there and he walked with God and he was not. God took him. Such a good relationship. He says to later in Genesis 17, when God speaks to Abraham, you know what He says? Walk before Me. Genesis 17:1. Walk before Me and be perfect. Do you walk with God? Do you walk with God? You see, walking with God is fearing, believing, and obeying Him. That's what we do as a believer. Your life in Christ started with fearing God. See, a lot of times people put this off. Oh, you know, I'll tell you right now, I was just afraid of going to hell. That's actually a good thing to be afraid of going to hell. You, you you, You can't get saved unless you're afraid to go to hell. You know that, don't you? That's where fear starts, the fear of God. I might go to hell if I keep living like this. Yes, sir. That's what the Bible says. If you don't repent of your sins, you're going to go to hell. You see, walking with God is learning to fear God and live in the fear of God in adoration and praise of who He is and to trust Him every day of your life. Even when it's bad, when everything's fallen apart and you thought if you trusted God, everything would be good and you trust Him when it's all miserable, when everything's come apart and lo and behold, you obey Him. You obey Him when nobody else does it. You walk with God and stand for Him and you have convictions and you walk with God and you trust Him every day of your life. You see, Paul said it this way, walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Are you walking with God today? I'm just asking you. As you leave this place today, think about how much do you cherish your time with God? Do you look forward to your time with God like you look forward to your time with family and friends and those you love you walking with God familiarity with God sitting down and talking to God as you would talk to your dearest friend or your lover and talking to them talking to him in intimate ways about all of the things in your life Noah walked with God so what do we remember today we live in the last days Jesus is coming again urgently quickly All of the current events taking place, all the movement of kings and princes and governments, and all that's all being worked according to the sovereign purposes and plan of God for the accomplishing of His great and glorious purpose for the sending of Jesus to do His work and to fulfill and finalize what must be done. You see, this sinful world only can be saved. By coming to know Jesus. But the world itself will soon burn. You must decide if you really believe that. Or if that's just preacher talk. Or if that's just meant to scare somebody. Jesus is coming again. If I believe that, I'm going to live a certain way every day of my life regardless of what doctor so and so said about, well now he isn't gonna come to this, or he's not gonna to come to Okay, Doctor So and so doesn't know. The word of God says it's gonna be when nobody's ready. Like a thief in the night. Walk by faith in the Spirit. You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well Pastor, how can I keep from this this sin comes back? Well you gotta walk in the Spirit. You gotta you gotta trust God. You gotta you gotta walk by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you've got to live a godly life, salt and light in the world. Noah was a blameless man in his time. So we wait and we watch. I love what the old preacher said. We never watch so carefully our own selves as when we walk in the presence of God. You know, when your kid was little and you were standing there, they did a lot better than when you weren't there. When you walk with God, remember this. He sees everything you're doing. He knows everything you're thinking. And He is calling you to a deeper, greater, loving relationship with Him. And what does He do through us? We go and tell. We go and share. We go everywhere and say, come to the Lord Jesus and be saved before It's too late. To the praise of the glory of his grace, Noah found favor with God. Noah was righteous and blameless in his time, and he walked with God.